okay? How's everyone going tonight? So, so wonderful to see such a, a big group of, of the crew graduating. It's a very exciting next stage of life. Um, but I wanted to encourage you guys to cheer up just standing there before worshipping in that last song especially. And um, you're all singing so loudly. And of course it warms my heart so much to see a room full of people worshipping God. But I just, I just had this thought that I, I thought I wanted to be able to bottle that noise. It's so beautiful to hear the people of God worshipping. But I thought, man, for however much I want to be able to bottle this, I can't imagine how much more our Lord wants to. Um, we don't just come on a Sunday to sort of sing some words and, and do a thing. We lift praises to our God, and it's something that he relishes and something that he holds. Um, so thank you so much, Esther and the team, for leading us tonight. And all the weeks you guys do that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it's a beautiful sound, and I think we should never forget that. Um, but let's, let's pray before we start the message tonight. Lord, we want to thank you for one another. Lord, thank you that the sound of one another's voices as we praise you is so encouraging. We thank you for those in our midst that are going through some really exciting and big changes in life. We pray that you'd be with them, that you'd be guiding them, and they would feel such a sense of um, joy and anticipation in this time. Lord, we just pray that for us tonight, here in this moment, that you would quieten our hearts. Lord, that you would open our ears to hear what you want to say to us, Lord, because when we come to your word, we don't just want to handle it, hold it at arm's distance. We want it to cut into our hearts and to change us. And so, Lord, would you speak tonight as we, as we share together and, and help us to be more like you when we walk out those doors tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, when I was preparing for this, I was, I was thinking about when I was younger, my family would often find themselves up at the Sunshine Coast and lots of very, very hot summer days where we were driving to and from the beach. And I remember being in the back seat of my car and kind of seeing something and getting really confused. I remember asking my dad, I was like, what is going on right now? It's like I can see this huge puddle of water at the end of the road, but we get closer and it kind of disappears, but then it appears again at the end of the road. And I remember him explaining to me for the first time what a, a mirage was. I don't know if you guys have ever sort of had this, this phenomena before, um, but it's, it's kind of where this, this optical illusion, my husband will show me for this later, the way I would try and explain this, but this optical illusion, it's like we can see this body of water that's not really there. And when I think about a mirage, I think about all those, you know, fantastical stories, right, of someone being stranded in a desert and they're dying of thirst and they can see this mirage up in the distance, this thing that's going to satisfy them, that's going to fill them, but every time they get close, it just keeps on evading them. And it's an incredible metaphor for life. There are so many things like this that we chase, so many things that we're certain when we can just get to that point up ahead to the thing, then we will, we will have made it, right? Tonight we're, we're continuing our, our series in identity, and in this series we've been looking at all of the things that we, we should base our identity on, like, like Matt said before, um, but we're also spending some time looking at things that we probably shouldn't found our identity in, but things that we most certainly do get trapped finding our identity in. And tonight we're looking at control and comfort. How wanting to be people that have control over our whole lives 
and so much comfort that we don't want for anything, how that can be the thing that drives us so often. But also at times we'll see it can really distort us as well. And because I don't, I don't really think a single one of us here could deny that these are the sorts of things that humans crave for. We want our relationships, we want our bank accounts, we want our careers, our families, even the way that we're perceived by others to be just a particular certain way, right? Comfort drives almost everything I feel like we do in the West. We kill ourselves to get the right job and to be on the right path. I know recently I found myself falling into the temptation of longing for that perfect white picket fence the dream home that's associated with this idea of comfort and security in life. We're so blessed in our corner of the world that so often any, any luxury that we want, it's, it's usually not very far from our fingertips. It's usually really available to us. But we are also certainly creatures that love control as well. And I think that we have seen this come out in the last two years in a way we never could have imagined before. This pandemic has seen anxiety levels spike in our world in a way that I I know I've never seen. And I know there are countless reasons for that. But I think a huge part of why that is, is because all of a sudden we've realized how little control we really have over our lives. All of a sudden, these plans that we have just get blown out of the water. This sense of safety and security we have is all of a sudden at threat by this invisible thing out in the world. We don't know what's next. We want to control our plans. We want to control the way we're seen by others. We always want to know what's next. I know it's true in my life, and I don't know if it is the same for you as well. We are so often driven by this desire to have it all figured out, to have the best we can have, control and comfort in spades full because we think it's going to make us safe. You know what makes us feel safe? It makes us feel good to know that we're surrounded by all this great stuff in life. But just like the mirages that I would see as a kid up in the distance, they're never what they seem. We always get to these places and, and something will crack. I said this pandemic's shown us we have so much less control than we could imagine. Plans that we make don't come to pass. Sometimes in life, people that we love make decisions that we don't love. And all of a sudden, relationships that we have are cracked and fractured. And so what do we do with the realization that when we aren't in control, we start to really fall apart? Comfort is also such a dangerous idol. It's always tempting us to want more. It makes us discontent with what we've already got. And so often these things can disappear in an instant. So what do we do when we realize this pursuit of comfort that we're obsessed with can be meaningless and it can actually kind of enslave us in a way? We're going to be in Luke chapter 9 tonight if you guys want to open up your Bibles. Jesus, earlier in in chapter 9, we'll be starting at verse 23, but he's been speaking with his disciples earlier in this chapter about all the terrible things that are going to happen to him at the hands of the Roman and the Jewish leaders, about the terrible death that he's going to face, everything that's coming for him. And then he kind of changes topic a little bit, and he starts to discuss what it's actually going to look like for the disciples to follow him. And it says in um, verse 23, that many of us may know very well, 
Then he said to them all, this is his followers, his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Where the world wants us to chase after control and comfort, where we want everything about us to be lined up in a row, cushy as we can make it, we can see what what Jesus actually calls us to is almost the complete opposite. Where we would want control and comfort, Jesus calls us to trust and sacrifice. We can see there's these three elements in, in this call here. To deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Firstly, he tells them to deny themselves. Now, this is loaded for the disciples in a way it isn't necessarily for us. See, in this day and age, what family you're a part of, whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, what nationality you were, what kind of trade you did, that was your identity. And we can identify with it a little bit, right? You meet someone new and they'll ask you what you do for a living or how many siblings you have. Like We, we kind of get that. But we're also a really individualistic culture. So for the disciples, that, that kind of thing was taken one step further. Your, your people, your trade, whatever, that was your everything. That was your tribe. That was your identity. And Jesus is telling them, you need to be ready to deny that, to follow me. You need to be ready to alienate yourself in some really, really big ways to follow me. And I know that so many of you might have experienced that in some way, whether it's in your own family, you've felt some of that sense of alienation because you follow Jesus. If you haven't felt it yet, you will eventually. You will eventually, whether it's at school or at work, wherever it may be. It's the same for us today. To deny ourselves means that we need to totally renounce our self-centeredness. We need to look constantly to others and to God and follow his ways. It means we need to deny any part of our life that isn't pleasing to God, any behaviors that we have, any attitudes that we might have. If it isn't in service of God and other people, these are the things that we need to deny in our life. But he also tells them to take up their cross daily. And all of us kind of know when Jesus says the word cross, a certain image comes to mind. But we need to stop and understand that when he said this to his disciples, they hadn't seen Jesus' crucifixion yet, but they knew what crucifixion was. When Jesus said, take up your cross daily, the image that pops into their mind is a torturous instrument of execution. It is scary. It's terrifying. It's intense. But this is the picture that Jesus uses when he talks about following him. This picture of the cross to the disciples was associated with rejection from society. It was associated with shame. And this is huge for us to try and wrestle with the fact that Jesus is saying that to be a Christian means to bear a cross, being willing to endure hard times or rejection because we know that's who he is And what he wants to bring into our life is more true, it's better, it's more lovely than anything. This is something we do every single day. Jesus is saying every single day we need to wake up and remember that we have died to our old ways, to our old life, to the ways of the world. 
and he tells them to follow him. The way that this is phrased in the Greek is this like present continuous idea. It's not just a one-time thing. It's something that we do over and over again, never stopping, always continuing. We are supposed to be in constant and ongoing devotion to Jesus and his ways. And I thought about all the ways that we, we follow things in this life today, right? The way that we might follow musicians or artists. So the second they drop a new album or a new single, we are there. We've got it pre-saved. We're ready to go. The way we might hang off videos from a YouTuber or someone on TikTok and we lose hours of our life scrolling through, trying to consume anything they'll throw our way. Posts from celebrities, from anyone online, just because we want to know them that little bit better, we'll soak in any ounce of their personal life that they will reveal to us through social media. Or maybe it's advocates, people we want to be like. And we do everything we can to mirror their behavior, to try and be more like them. And the question we need to ask is, do we follow Jesus like this? Like Esther said, do we thirst for Jesus like this? Do we hang on his words? Do we listen for his guidance? Do we seek to be and live like him and give him regular parts of our days and weeks, hours at a time? This is what Jesus calls us to when he says, follow me. Where where control in our life would seek to see us calling all the shots, knowing exactly what's next and being able to execute it perfectly, Jesus says instead that we need to trust his ways and God's path for our life, following so intently, so unashamedly, and so constantly. And where comfort in our life is something that we would chase above anything else, Jesus leaves no doubt in this passage that following him means that we will end up outside our comfort zone. Loving God and loving others more than our own plans and our own goals, even if it means isolation in this world. And I know what you might be thinking at this point, like, that sounds really hard. I don't know if I want to do that. Being in control of my life, being comfortable, that actually sounds like a little bit better than what you just said there, Maddie. I'm not sold. But Jesus has something to say to that as well. Because the truth of it is, is that when we do it our own way, we think, that sounds hard. I'm going to take the control and the comfort. We actually end up more bound and more restricted. We remain unsatisfied and unfulfilled, and we miss out on the most satisfying thing of all, a life with our Lord. If we read a little bit further in verses 24 to 26, he says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I think we see in the words of Jesus here two arguments for why control and comfort are not the better path. I think that Jesus argues in here that these things actually bind us and restrict us more than we realize. 
because Jesus doesn't deny that we can chase after the things of the world, right? He leads in this passage that we could gain the whole world if we chase after it hard enough. But we have to ask the question, what does that pursuit do to us? What does it do to us when we want to control our lives so that all of our relationships look a certain way? All of a sudden, we might find ourselves completely void of integrity, meaning we act like one person over here, we act with like another person with this group of friends, and before we know it, all of a sudden, the mask that we've designed for ourselves in our life leaves us feeling controlled, leaves us feeling uncomfortable. Maybe it's that pursuit of the house, the car, the life, whatever it is that we want to feel comfortable. It means we just end up working all the time. We're so discontent with what we have. And all of a sudden, the dreams we thought we were dreaming are the ones controlling us and making us uncomfortable. We think that we've got to get all things done in a perfect time rate, right? We've got to get out. We've got to get the degree, meet someone, get married, have a baby, do the life. But then you hit a certain birthday and you're like, oh, man, it hasn't happened yet. And all of a sudden, you realize that that these desires are controlling you so much, you can't enjoy the season of life that you're in. So often, when we chase after these ideas of control and comfort, they take control of us. And they take away our comfort in life. But I think the second thing that Jesus says in these verses about why we shouldn't rely on control and comfort is that they deprive us of him. They take us away from him. He says in the end of those verses there that if we're ashamed of him in this life, if we separate ourselves from him, we will get exactly what we're asking for. We will be separated from him. And when the time comes when we need Jesus by our side, we need Jesus knowing us most of all, he will not be able to advocate for us. We can chase all the control and comfort that we want so that our souls remain so malnourished in that journey because we neglect the life and the joy that we have in Jesus. We can spend all the time in the world that we want working on our own plans and our own endeavors, but we will have so little time and inclination to stop and listen to what God wants to say. I truly believe that our Lord gives us free will, and if we try hard enough, he will let us beat down any door that he has closed. He will let us bulldoze paths for ourselves sometimes. If we're determined, I think he does let us choose our own path in life. But it costs. The cost of discipleship is great. What Jesus calls us to is a hard call. But living life our way, the world's way, it does leave us unsatisfied. It leaves us so far from him. But the beauty of our merciful God is that if we let him, he will unravel those ideas of comfort and control that we've held so tightly to so that we can find ourselves living a life more abundant and more free than we've ever imagined. There's a beautiful verse in John 10 where Jesus says that all those who listen to his voice and follow him and know him will have life and life to the full. The call of discipleship is tough, but a full and abundant life is a promise that Jesus gives to us. And Jesus does never, ever, ever, ever fail on coming through on his promises. God will 
unravel these things. Say your family's only concern for your whole life was to be a doctor. So much so that you figure you've got to make this work or you're just going to be a complete failure in life. And so you work hard, you study hard, you kill yourself, you've got stomach ulcers, you're ignoring the voice in the back of your mind that tells you that you're not passionate about this, that you don't really care too much for this. You've got to get the approval. You've got to get the wealth and the status that comes with this. You've got to make it work. What if you come to a point where you want to let God unravel that? You realize that you are actually really passionate about seeing someone on the other side of the world come to know Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, God wants you to be a missionary. Maybe you let him unravel this dream that's been in your heart, accepting that being a little bit uncomfortable, your family being, being scared or furious that you would give up safety or security is okay because you are taking up your cross the way God's called you to be. That's what freedom looks like when we unravel the control and comfort we put in our life. Maybe you meet a group of friends at uni or at school, and the only socializing that they do is going out and doing some seriously wild partying on a Friday night after class. And you think, it's going to be a really, really hard few years if I don't meet some friends, if I don't get in with this crowd, so I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go out, I'm going to party, I'm going to do what they're doing. But then you've got to rock up to church on Sunday. And it's a little bit awkward. It's a little bit awkward with your friends, you're lying about what you're doing. You try to sit with God and pray, and it feels like there's this barrier between you. But you've got to be in with this group, right? They're the people you want to be hanging out with. What if we let God unravel that idea of comfort and control? What if we became more comfortable with being uncomfortable in that circle? What if we took on what it meant to take up our cross, and all of a sudden you didn't have to wrestle with the guilt and the shame that came with that behavior? That's what freedom looks like when God unravels our comfort and control. You want to have a really, really nice partner. You want to get married, have kids, do the whole thing. But as the year goes by, you get more and more anxious. But you really feel like you've got to make it happen. So I'll just date whoever sort of comes along and wants to, to do this thing. And all of a sudden, you are super unhappy in super toxic relationship. You weren't ready. They weren't ready. You're not good together. But you just had to make it happen, right? You had to take a stand. What if we let God unravel those ideas so that we could enjoy the seasons that we're in, that we could trust that he will bring someone along? Could that be his plan for our life? Can you guys see how so often we chase these things in life and they actually leave us more control? They leave us more uncomfortable But if we turn to God to unravel these things, to reform our identity through trust and discomfort, like Jesus called to us, we can be so set free. We need to let God unravel these things in our life that we let bind us by following Jesus, by denying ourselves, by obeying him when we realize that our relentless pursuit of these things so often compromises our joy, compromises our identity and our path in life, we can begin to be set free. Set free from this this rat race of life that determines our worth based on what we have, what we own, what we wear. 
set free from judgment of people that we have let define us for far too long, set free from discontentment about what we have, and even to a point set free from anxiety about life happening outside of our control. Leaning into the call of Jesus in Luke 9 every single day is how we do this. Denying ourselves, letting God alone define us. God defines you as loved. He defines you as chosen. He defines you as forgiven and whole and accepted. That is what we can claim rather than letting our families or our friendship or our bank account or our culture tell us who we are and what we are worth. We take up our cross and remember that we have chosen to throw away old behaviors and to walk in the grace and love of Jesus. Being an outsider in the world doesn't scare us anymore because we are a part of the family of God and we have a people that we can walk with through this whole life and we have eternity in peace and joy. By following Jesus, we find ourselves walking in God's will for our life. And I think so much of this is what it comes down to, trusting that God has a plan, trusting that God has good things for you. It may be uncomfortable. It will very likely be unexpected. But when we can trust that whatever God has for us, whether it is hard or not what we had imagined, if we step into that place, there is a peace there like you've never known. There is liberation like you have never known. There is joy that comes from knowing that you are walking in something that is so much bigger than yourself. It is so much bigger than this world, than the day-to-day, than the monotony, because God wants the best for us, and God has eternity in his hands. Don't get me wrong, anxiety that's caused by our desire to control and find comfort will never completely disappear. It won't. We live in a world that will tempt us every single day. But you better believe that it will have a formidable opponent in our trust that God's plan for our life will never fail. I don't know if tonight you feel bound or you feel torn. I don't know if tonight you feel like everything you are hangs on the way you look or the career you want or the people you hang out with. But tonight is just your chance to realize that those things have been hurting you more than they've been helping you. It's your chance to come to God and to tell him, I think I've been chasing this a little bit hard. I want to know how I can follow you better. What, what freedom do you have for me if I let you unravel this stuff in me a little bit? If you're ready, you can deny that stuff. You can take a stand and say, you know what, I, I don't want to chase that anymore. I don't want that to be who I am. Just like the call to discipleship in Luke 9.23 is continuous, it's ongoing, it's every single day, so will the battle over control and comfort in our lives. God knows that. He is merciful. He understands. He doesn't care if you have to do this every single day for the rest of your life, once a week for the rest of your life. He will meet you the same way every single time and speak and guide. So I want to invite the team back up. We're going to have a moment just to sit and to pray and to listen to God before we 
sing, but this is just a chance to surrender again to the Lord. A chance to trust again that whatever plan he has for your life is good. That in the unexpected, in the uncomfortable, he will be with you. And that even though trust and sacrifice sounds a heck of a lot more scary than control and comfort, it is so, so worth it. Lord, we just we want to bring to you now those things in our mind that have come up for us tonight, Lord. The things that we've been trying so hard to control. The things that we've been so convinced will bring us comfort that we've been ready to sacrifice anything else to make it happen. Lord, would you forgive us when we put those things above you? Would you forgive us when we let those things define our worth and tell us who we are? Would you help us tonight to turn away from control and comfort and to trust in you deeper, to not be so scared of discomfort in our life? Because in following you, Lord, there is freedom from these things. There is abundant life. There is more for us. Lord, would you help us to come to you? Jesus, you took that cross, that terrifying instrument of death, so that we could have this freedom. And I'm so thankful. What you did for us deserves our everything. So anything that we've taken back tonight, Lord, we want to to just try and put it at your feet again. Even if we pick it back up again and we need to put it down again and then we pick it up and we've got to put it down, that's what we want to try and do for the rest of our life because of what you've done. Keep speaking now, Lord, as we sing, as we pray, as we sit with you. As we go from this place, Luke 9.23, would that call for discipleship ring a little truer in our lives? Apart from you, we can do nothing.